welcome to Silence, a podcast that gives women in science, technology, engineering and maths, or STEM, an opportunity to share honestly and openly about what it's really like working in these typically male-dominated subjects. Each week, one woman shares her stories and experiences. She could be a public figure, the girl next door, or someone from a far-off land, maybe even Silicon Valley. The point is she'll be deliberately kept anonymous and disguised to ensure that we're not distracted by the details of her achievements, her labels, or what she looks like. I'm Dr. Shanice O'Mara, also a woman in STEM. I studied mechanical engineering and ended up as a television broadcaster. I've worked on and reported on some cutting-edge technology and innovation over the years. And through my television work, I've met some incredible women from a diverse range of STEM fields. And you know what? I've been more amazed about what I've learned from them than the cameras have been turned off and they're just being themselves. These women have amazingly impressive CVs, but most importantly, they're human, just like the rest of us. And it's that off-air honesty that I'd love to share with you through silence. This week, my guest is in the field of planetary science. Hi. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for coming on the show. How do you feel about this being anonymous? I actually really like that you do it anonymously. I found that, especially in science, that you have a lot of kind of preconceived notions when people can look up your educational history or what you look like or um, where you're from. That can give them kind of some uh, stereotypical notions beforehand, um, before even listening to you. So I actually like that it's more anonymous and that people will just be listening to what uh, the woman does and um, her experiences rather than worrying about physical appearances or other things like that. Totally. I mean, have you been subjected to stereotyping being in planetary science? Yeah, I actually have. Um, I was part of, so one of my jobs is I do educational outreach. And so I did a, um, so I do some YouTube videos sometimes uh, with my other classmates or other, I guess, coworkers that are also students. And um, at one point we were doing a video. So we were, it was me and my other coworker, who's also a woman. And after posting the video of us giving this tour of this mirror lab, I noticed that some of the comments were, um, and I was wondering if this also happens with men. I'm not really sure if they would say the same things but they're commenting about our appearances and some would be some pretty um pretty awful and some would be a little better some were even commenting about why are women going through and giving this tour so yeah I've, I've kind of been subjected to that already um at least in the youtube world which is always a little different than the regular world since people are kind of masked behind their youtube profiles and how did it make you feel did it affect you and if so how at first, it definitely did affect me, I think, because I wasn't expecting that, because uh, we're more of a science channel. And so I was kind of thinking that the people who would be watching it would be more interested in the science and not really worrying about who is presenting it or not really focusing on that it was a woman presenting it and then thinking about, oh, what kind of demeaning thing can I say now about her rather than, oh, maybe I should ask a question about the mirror lever, about something neat that they talked about. Um, so it affected me at first because it kind of made me not want to be in the public eye or, um, so it definitely made me feel a little more self-conscious, but I'm slowly starting to work on that and not worry about it as much anymore, which has been a slow process since then, but. (laughs) Yeah, it's so interesting that you talk about being self-conscious. I wonder whether as women in STEM, we almost have to pay more attention to 
our self-consciousness than others have to? Well, yeah, I think so. Um, Because in classes and during presentations, I'm pretty self-conscious about what I wear. So as a woman in STEM, you don't, well, at least for me, I don't always want to seem like I'm being some flashy feminine woman. Um, I kind of seem like I want to tone it down a little bit because I don't want someone to be focusing on what I'm wearing or, oh, she's wearing something that's too low cut. Um, and cause like with men, they don't really have to worry about that. Cause in my field, it's usually just men wearing plaid t-shirt and some slacks. So, um, so I don't really have to worry about being too promiscuous or, um, someone thinking they look too much like a tomboy or that they look too feminine or, um, so I've kind of been aware of that as I go throughout my courses or meet with professors or have presentations in front of, um, in front of the public. How are you with having to give all of this thought? Like, are you like, well, that's just being a woman or or does it affect you differently? Um, part of it is also, well, yeah, it's just being a woman and that's kind of how things have been for a while. But part of it is also me getting sometimes frustrated about, oh, I wish I could just be a man in planetary science. It'd be so much easier. <laughs> they wouldn't have to deal with that. Um, but so far as actually whenever I'm, speaking or whenever I'm in class, it, I've gotten to the point where I don't let it affect my actual demeanor in the class or during the presentation. Um, so I have started to not worry about it as much, but I do come back to those thoughts of how I really wish I didn't have to think about these things. My heart is kind of breaking because you saying that you wish you could be a man is kind of like, I don't know, somehow denying the wondrous thing of being a woman because you're in STEM. I mean, I also went through the same journey where I just found it a big hassle to be a woman in engineering. But I've also turned a corner with it in the sense that I'm now really just proud of who I am, whatever gender, whatever inclinations, you know. Where do you stand on that? Do you have strong opinions with regards to sort of self-acceptance, I guess? It actually, I've actually come to be extremely proud that I am a woman in science. And that was mainly through my journey of finding and hearing from other women in science. And I've noticed that they are some of the most influential and inspiring women that I have met um, that are doing all these, they're kind of going above and beyond what uh, some of the men I've met do. And that's not saying, that's not like a sweeping statement of saying that men do less and women have to try more to get to the same level as men. But just the women that I've met are so amazing because hearing what they've had to overcome and then hearing how proud they are that they kept, like that they stuck to it and got through college and got through those classes where they had to deal with the stereotypes and got through those professors who were already stereotyping them. Um, so it's actually made me extremely proud to be a woman in science. And I think any woman that is in STEM should be proud that they've stuck with it and that they aren't letting, I guess, feelings of men towards them or statements made by men or even statements made by other women affect them, that they're just sticking with their, sticking to their guns. Mm, Yeah. I'd love to hear your journey. Like, let's go back to when you were a child. Like, was it obvious you would end up being a planetary scientist? It actually wasn't obvious at all. I initially started out um, wanting to do music. So singing and doing um, some acting. I realized later on I was a terrible actor, but um, I still love to sing. So I did that throughout grade school, middle school, high school. Um, It wasn't until middle school I took a science class in eighth grade and we got to do this. Um, I'll remember it to this day. We got to do this uh, plate tectonics lab. 
And so we uh, took some graham crackers and we're moving them and colliding them like convergent boundaries in plate tectonics. And I didn't really know what, like why we were doing this, what it was for. And I realized it was for the study of geology. Um, and I just thought that was so neat. For some reason, I just automatically fell in love with it. Um, so from then on, I realized that I wanted to do geology. And then it kind of morphed into geological engineering, like mining engineering, because my brother went in to do engineering. Um, and it wasn't until I went and did a uh, tour of a school and I asked somebody, because um, there was a geological engineer and there was uh, just a geology major. And I asked him, what's the difference between the two? Because I can't really tell which one I want to do. And um, so I learned that geology, you get to go into the field a little more. Um, you're not just stuck behind a desk or in a lab or... I guess it depends on which type of geology you do. Um, so that's when I kind of switched gears away from the engineering and towards just the geology. And um, so that's what I went into college wanting to do was geology. And it wasn't until I took a uh, just a gen ed astronomy science with this amazing professor um, who I'm still really inspired by today. And uh, he took us up to a telescope and uh, for an uh, overnight trip. So we got to learn a bit, a, a little bit about astronomy and he talked about some planetary science. And I realized that I also loved astronomy. So I had this conflicting thing of, do I choose geology? Do I choose astronomy? Uh, so I ended up majoring in both um, and combining them into a planetary science emphasis. So I went into minoring in planetary science. Um, it's kind of a, like, collision of events that happened that brought me here to planetary science. That's so cool. Wow. It sounds like you were really following your heart. It seems like the thing that I ended up falling in love with, I would just go with it. I wouldn't say, well, I wanted to do this other thing and engineering might be like, might make more money. Um, it just seemed like whatever. I was like, wow, that's amazing. I want to do that. I just went with it. Even when it's, pretty hard. Uh, planetary science is a pretty small area of science. Um, but I found a school that has a great program and realized that it's possible, even though it took a little while to figure out that I wanted to do it. <laughs> I found the thing that I love doing, and I'm extremely happy that I stuck with it. And I'm getting to do so much in it right now. And what was driving you the whole time? Because it doesn't sound like it was maybe other people's expectations of what you should do. So what was the motivating factor to get to where you are today? Um, I think it was, uh, it was definitely a lot my parents. I have really great parents that um, were encouraging me the entire way to find what I love doing. And, um, and then also friends who got, like who were, who were doing things that they didn't necessarily love. So I'd seen kind of uh, people doing things that they weren't that happy about, that, but they needed to pay the bills and they needed to make ends meet. And um, and if that's something that I had to do, I would definitely do it because I do work part-time through college and I'm on loans and I'm making ends meet, but I didn't want to just settle for something I didn't love doing. And so having parents that were encouraging me to keep seeking out what I wanted to do. So when I settled for engineering, my mom was like, I know it's what your brother's doing, but you don't necessarily need to do that. Um, she was like, fine, but you love doing, you love geology. So I kept searching and, um, and even though I'll have a ridiculous amount of loans by the end of it, at least I am getting to do 
what I love and kind of had encouraging people that kept pushing me to find my niche. And I found it. Were you influenced by anyone growing up or inspired or were there role models in your life that were paving the way? I think one of my biggest role models was my brother, because I came from a family where uh, my mom did business and my dad did. uh, He ended up going to security. And so there wasn't really any scientific backgrounds in my family. And so my brother was the first to kind of branch off and do aerospace engineering. So I actually found that really inspiring. So it's like, I don't know how you're going to do that. That's kind of, you don't really have any foundation of knowledge for that. You're just kind of jumping into it feet first. So getting to see his experiences, he's going throughout college because he's four years older than me so while I was in high school he was in college I just got to hear about his experiences and how he really liked what he was doing all these neat experiences he was having that kind of solidified my desire to go into science um, because I had my brother who went into science with no prior knowledge of whether it was going to work out or not or how hard the journey was going to be And so having him as kind of my role model throughout college really helped. Um, He was also in college for a while to get, because he double majored. So he was in college for a while and went through a lot of down, like ups and downs. And so he's been helping me throughout my college experience, trying to push me to stay in college. And the science is the right path. And yes, it's a little more difficult, um, but that I can keep doing it because he was able to do it. It sounds amazing that you've got someone so supportive um, by your side. Um, What does get you through uh, the tough times? Because I think uh, the the fact that STEM isn't easy does put a lot of women and girls off taking the subjects. What what pushes you through those times? For a while, I didn't really know. Um, Because at first, I was just like, well, this is all I really know that I want to do. I started college with this major. I should probably just keep going with this path. Um, But as I got older, I've reached a lot of times where I just wanted to take a year off or switch majors or um, just go back home and work somewhere that didn't require all of this additional studying and preparation for um, But I think the fact that I've made it so far um, and the fact that I've kind of wanted to prove people wrong. So I've had uh, friends and even uh, extended family that have kind of been a little confused about why I chose the major that I did just because it's going to take so much work. Um, And then I've also had significant others who have told me, well, you could just drop one of your majors, just go do um, business or just do one major, do math or something. Um, You don't need to go into this obscure planetary science. Um, So part of me, I'm kind of stubborn. And so having people saying like, oh, you're doing too much, do less. Or, oh, just pick a different major or go back home and work. Um, It's kind of made me want to prove them wrong that I can do it. But then later on, it was just the love of it that I love doing what I do. And I would love to start working for um, like big uh, companies that are doing amazing things in planetary science. I've gotten to interview women from JPL and from other colleges that are in planetary science. And so just the inspiration of everything they've been able to do by sticking with it and going into planetary science, um, it's kind of been an inspiration for me and kind of a uh, has driven me to keep going and to keep um, keep with the path that I've chosen. 
you sound so badass. <laughs> um, what what's your plan for the future? Um, probably. Uh, well, I guess for near term or short term future, um, in a year I'll be graduating, and so I'll be trying to go to graduate school, assuming I can make it into one. Um, and then after that. I would love to join the field of research. I don't know if that will be in academia, if I'll be a professor that can also research on the side, or if um, if I'm lucky enough and get into you know NASA or something like that. It's kind of shooting for the stars there, but um, if I get into something like that, I would love to do research um, with some sort of company like that. Uh, but yeah, short term, it'll just be getting into graduate school and getting my PhD which is already seeming like a lot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, often um, women in STEM are committed to a long-term investment in their brain. What does having it all mean to you? Um, I think having everything that you want in life. So I know with uh, it's kind of hard with especially women in science to have it all because a lot of women want to have families, but then also want to have successful careers still want to have a social life outside of both of those. Um, but for me, I guess it depends from woman to woman what having it all means. But uh, for me, it means just getting to that point in life, um, that long-term point in life where I can say that I'm happy in what I'm doing. Um, I love the career that I'm in. I would be happy doing this for the next 20, 30, 40 years. And I don't really have that where I'd like to create this balance between um, a family and a career because right now I would just love to get to do the career that I have been working so hard towards and um, if I decide to add in other aspects um, to that career that I've chosen then um, that would be great but I think for me having it all is just to have a career that I love with coworkers that I like and um, and not having to do something that I will regret later or choose a path that I'll regret later on. So what are your co-workers like at the moment? Are you surrounded by people that you aspire to be like? I think I've been pretty lucky in the jobs that I've gotten. Um, so I work as in educational outreach and it's specifically for an astronomy department. So the co-workers that I have are wonderful. There are people from film, there are people from... Um, that are writing majors, there are people that are also astronomy majors. Um, and so I get to have these amazing conversations with them every day, even if it's not about astronomy, it's about something that they love doing, because this job is mainly doing, uh, making videos about things that you love and um, trying to reach other people um, that also love doing that through making these videos. Um, so I've actually really love the people that I work with right now. Um, I, can't, I don't think I have any complaints against them. Um, and then I also was lucky to get a research job in planetary science. So I get to work with people in planetary science that also love what they're doing. Um, so we had great conversations with them and they've been really encouraging and been helping me through the process, of getting to know all the software you need to know for the type of research that I'm doing. and. Um, and so that has also helped a lot whenever I have those down times where I just want to give up. I realize that these people that I work with, they haven't given up either. And they're there to help me in whatever I need help with. Um, and so they kind of give me a reason to 
like keep working at it and to keep going at it in school. And um, so, yeah, I think I've been pretty lucky so far with the coworkers I've had. No complaints yet. <laughs> yeah, you sound like you, you're surrounded in, by very supportive people in a very encouraging environment. Um, do you ever have kind of days where you're like, what am I doing? Oh, yeah, most definitely. Um, Whether it's in school, generally the days in school where I get a less than great grade in my physics exams, um, those definitely take a hit and kind of make me wonder, well, why am I doing something so heavy in physics when I struggle with it and have to work 10 times harder? But I also have those days in work um, because there are some times where there's things we're doing or we come to a standstill um, or especially with my research, there are days where I have to learn how to use ArcGIS, which is what I'm doing right now. And it's definitely been frustrating. And I'm like, well, if I can't get this and I want to be a planetary science, then how am I going to continue on in this major? If I can't even figure out this software that I'll probably be using from now until I retire. So I've definitely had a lot of moments where, I just want to kind of flip a table and walk away. (laughs) Yeah, I think those moments are so common for anyone in STEM, really, because it is really tough. Do you have like a carved out strategy for dealing with those times? I'm still definitely working on that, trying to figure out how to take a step back. Um, So one of the things that I have been learning or been figuring out to do is to kind of step away from whatever program I'm working on or whatever uh, video I'm working on for work or whatever homework I'm working on, just to take a step back, take like 30 minutes, just don't think about it, Um, do something I like doing, watch a TV show. A lot of the times um, I'll just lay on my couch and cuddle with my dog and that generally refreshes my brain and kind of makes me ready to tackle whatever project or homework or whatever I'm working on. Um, But I'm still trying to figure out how to make that work. Because generally, if I take a step back and then go back towards it or go back to it, I will end up getting frustrated with it in 10 minutes again. So (laughs) trying to find a way to, um, I guess, a strategy to handle these times that I have. It's definitely a learning, a time of learning for me. Yeah, because when when I was heavily in my research, I always felt like any time spent stepping away from my research was time wasted. Looking back, it would have been a really useful uh, period of time to just switch off, you know, from the work, because sometimes you can be too heavily embedded in it. Do you have that sense of like, if I'm not working, then like, I'm going to fall behind? Oh, I always have that worry. Whenever I do take a step back, I'm like, well, I have, even whenever I step away from things, my mind never completely steps away. My mind is still thinking about, well, you still have to do this homework. You still have this project to work on. You still have this research to do. You need to get 10 hours in this week and you haven't done any of that. And so that's actually a worry that I have constantly and a worry that's affected friendships and relationships and um, especially friendships when I have friends that say, just take a break. We can go watch a movie. And I'm like, well, that movie is three hours long. My night, like the time that I have whenever I get back from school or work to the time when I need to, go to, need to go to sleep, I only have five hours. So if I go watch a movie for three hours, 
I've lost all that time. I can't work on anything. I only have two hours left. I still need to eat in between then. Um, and the same has happened with relationships. Um, like I said, I've had significant others that have said, well, you're doing too much. You need to take a break and do this. And I'm like, no, but I can't. I have this expectation to live up to, um, especially as a woman, I always worry about falling behind and then having that reflect terribly and add into, well, you're a woman, you can't do this, or you need to work harder than men. So why did you take a break? Um, I'm constantly thinking about that and constantly having that affect uh, my social life and my downtime. And most of the time, I don't like having downtime. I'm even taking summer courses this summer just because I don't think I've had a summer off since I started college. And I think that is also because I want to just go the extra mile, not have downtime and not seem like I ever took a break or took a vacation. Um, just to show that I've been working since I started college, that I'm trying to go that extra mile. I have to say the way you think in that area is taking me back to what I was like at school, basically. Um, I just so relate Uh and it's just very, very interesting that you talk so honestly about why you can't take your foot off the gas pedal, you know, too much. Um, do you think there is a solution or is this just the way it is? I think if there's a solution, I definitely haven't found it yet. Um, I know there's some magical balance between work, school and a social life, but I have not found that yet. And my kind of thinking in that is that I have school to get through, and once I'm done with graduate school, once I've gotten my PhD, then I'll have time to get back into the hobbies that I love, get back into having a social life, and I'm worried that by then, then maybe I've already destroyed my social life or lost the friendships or forgotten how to do the hobbies that I used to do. Um, so I still have not found a solution for that. I still have all this, um, it's just, just this thinking that well, this is just how it's going to be in college. This is like, there's not really any way around it. So it's definitely been hard um, with that kind of mindset. I so relate. I just so relate. I mean, my thing was like, first of all, I was always kind of saying, basically my life will start after my PhD. I've just got to get through my PhD. <laughs> I mean, I was at university for almost eight years because I just went straight on for my bachelor's. And so essentially, like my life didn't start till I qualified. And um, my my excuse in the back of my head was like, I'm just not as smart as everyone else. So like, even though there may be a fine balance out there, and some people have got that balance, I'm not going to try and even entertain the idea of that balance, because I'm just not as smart, like I'm just not as good in maths, or I'm not as good in physics, or whatever it was. And so I have, like, I have to just keep working as hard as I can, because I'm somehow disadvantaged or whatever. And so yeah, I just never let go. You know, I never really switched off. Well, that's been my thinking too. Um, especially with physics, I have struggled with physics a lot. I've always had this self-consciousness towards being in a physics class and seeing these other, which usually it's mainly men in these classes and seeing them just 
getting these topics right away, getting the strategies, understanding how to do it, getting great grades on exams. And then I go home that night and it takes me six hours to finish just one homework problem. And I'm just wondering and like beating my head against the wall. I'm wondering why it's so difficult for me to get these concepts. So I think that also goes into, well, I don't have time to do these other things because I have five problems due this Friday and it's Monday. And it's going to take me a night to do each problem because um, it just doesn't come as easy to me. So, yeah, I have that issue with I kind of feel that I have a disadvantage. Um, it's probably just my mind just not getting these things instantly when I'm in class, not having these light bulb moments constantly while I'm in class and having to go home and study through everything and reteach myself everything. Um, so it's definitely gone into not really knowing how to manage that time and how to balance it with other things I like doing because it takes so long to study and so long to complete homework assignments and to understand the software program I need to use. So it's definitely affected finding that balance. Do you think that's a gender thing that maybe you take longer? Because I was surrounded by men all throughout my studies and uh, during my engineering career and so I don't really know if it's a gender thing or whether it was just a me thing but like I've got two questions for you like first of all what's the gender balance um in the area of your study but but also do you see major differences between the genders so first of all what's the gender balance in planetary science I think it's getting better over the years, uh, but I definitely, so because I'm doing geology, astronomy, and physics, and then also planetary science. So in all four, I have definitely noticed that there are um, more men than there are women. I've been in classes where I've been the only woman. I've been in classes where I've had one other female student with me. Um, so the balance is not where I wish it would be. Uh, geology, it's a little bit better because um, we have some amazing female professors that are really good at outreach, um, really good at getting women interested, really good at going to middle schools, high schools, um, and trying to ramp up this women in STEM. But especially in physics and astronomy, um, even some of the computer science classes I've taken, I've noticed that it is very much so usually men in the field rather than women. And um, there's also this funny uh, story about whenever my brother was going to um, to tour his college before he started college. And I was just, uh, I think in ninth grade maybe. And so I went with him to tour this college and it was an engineering college. So it was a um, science and technology college, mainly known for engineering. And while I was there, I wasn't even the person that was supposed to be there for the tour. Um, so I was just his younger sister. And they were already asking me, well, what are you planning on doing for college, um, you should come here. And they told me that they, for their entire college, um, the ratio of men to women was one woman for every 10 men. Wow. And I just thought that was incredible that in the entire college, this engineering and science and technology college, there was one woman for 10 men. And that just blew my mind. And I maybe just thought it was that college until I got into college and got into science and um, and notice that that is very much so true. In a class of 20, I have been there with one or two other women along with me in those classes. 
I have so many questions around that. First of all, do you feel there are differences between men and women in their approach to your science? I've kind of noticed that there are so far as, because um, I'm the person that loves to sit um, in the room and just, I usually don't answer questions. I sit in the room and kind of observe and listen to everybody else ask questions and answer questions that the professor asks. And I've noticed that um, aside from maybe one or two women that I've had in my classes, it's generally the men that are answering all these questions or going up to the board and solving this problem because even though we just learned that concept that day, they already understand it. Um, and I never really noticed the women doing that. They usually would sit back and watch, take notes. Um, and I know for me, I would do the same things. I would need to, well, there was, there are two reasons why I would do that is because I would need to go home and I'd want to go back through, read my notes, um, read the professor's notes, relearn what I had learned. Um, so it took kind of a couple times for me to get a concept. Um, but then also because I was a little worried of, um, answering a question or trying to solve a problem if I didn't completely understand it. So I didn't want to take that leap and then crash and burn and get the answer completely wrong and then have that go into the stigma that I have no clue what I'm doing. <laughs> um, that's kind of the difference that I've seen between men and women. I, I know it's not the case for all women. There are definitely um, some amazing and brilliant women I've had in my classes that just get things right away and prove the men wrong when they'll answer one question they'll be like no 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 it's actually this and the right uh, which is amazing but I've definitely noticed that the men are generally the ones that just understand it right away and answer the questions they're also sometimes not worried to take that leap and get a question wrong yeah do you think women have a fear of failure and that's what holds them back from speaking their knowledge so I've always wondered about that because I actually read, um, I was reading some study, it was probably, I never check my sources, I'm a terrible person, terrible scientist, um, but I was reading some study online one time that said men were taught to um, take chances and to be adventurous and then women were taught to analyze everything and not throw yourself out there and um, stay on the side of caution. Um, and so I've always wondered if that's maybe the difference between men and women and how they learn or how they even um, participate in class. Maybe whether men have always been, I guess, raised to take all these chances and to be adventurous. And so when they get asked a question or even a question that they have no clue what the answer is, they still take a stab at it and still try to answer it. Whereas, at least for me as a woman, I kind of err on the side of caution and make sure I know for sure that that is the answer to the question my professor's asking before raising my hand and answering it. And even then, I'm still worried that I've completely missed the mark and <laughs> that I'm wrong. Yeah, I mean, I have spoken to a number of women now, and you're really not telling me anything that is outside of what they've all said. Um, we do uh, get very worried about sort of getting the answer wrong, particularly in front of a room full of men. And we do like to take things away and really understand it in our own time. And we're on a kind of different timeline. Um, but all these different characteristics that we as women in STEM have in common, do you think that makes us um, ill-suited for a career in STEM? I definitely don't think it does. Um, I think that sometimes the world would like to make it think that we are ill-suited for it. Like, oh, if you can't figure out this concept, then you're not, you shouldn't be in this. And I've actually had professors tell um, my friends before that are women 
they go into the class or go into their office and um, ask them a question or they're confused about a subject. I've actually had those professors tell them, well, you're just not suited for this um, major. You're just not suited for this path. You shouldn't be in this major. And um, so I think when you have the world and professors and um, people like that telling you, well, if you don't get this right away, you're just not meant for this. I think that does make women less sure of the path that they've chosen. Um, and I also, th also think it's just that self-consciousness that we have um, as women when we don't understand something that we start to question ourselves and start to question whether we're cut out for it or especially when we see all these men that are just having these light bulb moments constantly and know what the professor's talking about and it doesn't seem like gibberish to them. It makes it really tough when you see all that happening and then you look, like you reflect back on yourself and how you aren't understanding any of this. And then you start to question, I guess this isn't the right path for me. And there are a lot of women that I've known that have actually dropped out um, or not just dropped out of college, they're chosen different majors um, or something like that just because they felt so intimidated by not knowing what they were doing or by being that one of five in the class that did not do well on that exam or just completely missed that concept. I totally agree. I totally agree with you. And um, what do you think it will take to help women not drop out? I think one, which is a little obvious, is for professors to be more encouraging um, and to not say things like, oh, well, you shouldn't be in this major, because <laughs> that's kind of just a slap in the face, especially for a woman of, okay, well, I guess I'm just not cut out for anything in science because I don't get this. Um, but I also think it'll take, uh, I guess, just family and friends of those people being more encouraging, even if the woman isn't blatantly saying, I am struggling with my choice. I don't know if I'm cut out for this. I think it just takes some more encouragement. And um, so I try to do that with my friends or um, family members. Uh, well, I guess just friends, since I don't currently have any family in science besides my brother. Um, but just being that encouraging voice that's saying, yes, you may think you're not suited for this, but you just have to keep on trying. You might have to try 100 times harder than those other people in your class, those brainiacs that just understand it. Um, but you can do this. You were not biologically created with a disadvantage. You just don't get it as easily as other people do. And once you do, you might be that person that gets a better grade on the test than anyone else. And I've had women who have done them, they struggled and they studied for two weeks before an exam and they got the highest grade. Even though they didn't think they could do it, they somehow got the highest grade. Um, so I think it just takes a lot of encouragement and then also encouragement for, or I guess women encouraging themselves. Um, so with me, whenever I had that little voice in the back of my head saying, no, you can't do it. You failed that test, just drop out, <laughs> just, leave college, you can't do this, you're not a scientist. Um, it takes kind of another voice in your head battling that other voice and saying, no, if I just try hard, it's going to suck. But if I just keep on trying, I can make it. I think it's really amazing that you've brought up kind of the voices in our own heads because I almost didn't want to accept that encouragement because I somehow felt I was being weak. Like I wanted to prove to myself that I could do it. 
And um, when it was hard, it was kind of, it was hard all by myself because I didn't want to admit to anyone that I was finding it hard. So I think it's really important that you do raise, like, it's not just about the encouragement we have around us, but it's also about listening to our own self-belief, which can often be quite fragile as well. Because women in STEM tend to be real alpha females. Like, they're just very capable, intelligent women. And that can, you can often be in a minority in that sense. Yeah, it seems like most of the women that I do know in science are doing all of these amazing things. Like almost all of them I know are doing some sort of research, some sort of undergraduate research or um, have have created these amazing study strategies and are going above and beyond and are running. Um, I know plenty of women that are running the clubs that we have, like the um, astronomy and geology club is run by these amazingly strong women. And so I've definitely noticed that it is a minority because it's maybe only one or two women in that club, but they're one of the ones doing the leadership. Um, They're also the ones doing the educational outreach. Um, Even though it is a minority, it's still amazing to see that that minority is is kind of making a huge impact in those different areas or those different disciplines. Yeah, and I I, I don't want to kind of dwell on the differences between men and women because um, in some instances it can be a lack of support and encouragement and maybe even a little bit of competitiveness between women. Have you ever experienced that? So I think whenever you do have a, like the little amount of women in um, like in a major as you do, you definitely do become more competitive because you're kind of like, you think, well, whenever you go into science, sometimes you can get into that mindset of like, oh, well, I'm this rare white rhino. There's no one else like me and I'm doing all these amazing things. And, um, I'm kicking down stereotypes and uh, challenging all of these uh, people who have said I can't do it. And then you come across another strong woman. And um, sometimes you can feel a little intimidated and like you need to be better than that person. And I've definitely felt that with some of uh, the women in my field. But, um, but I've reached the point where I would love to just go up and talk to them about their experiences and how they got to that point. And I've kind of been realizing that I'm tired of women wanting to compete against each other. We should be teaming up and competing against um, the rest of the world and taking on the world. And so um, I'm getting to that point where I, whenever I see another woman um, who is doing all these amazing, incredible things, but I'm really excited that uh, they're there and that they've stuck through it and that they weren't one of the ones that decided to drop out. And it can be kind of saddening whenever I hear women talking down about themselves, um, especially women in science, or not about themselves, but about others um, and kind of bashing on others because it all took a lot of work for all of us to get to that point. And so, um, so it's kind of sad that there is this competitiveness against each other. I guess, yeah, one interview that I um, had, the lady was saying that the reason why it can get so competitive is because there are so few places for women in STEM. And so we're really fighting to secure where we are because most of the other places are taken by men. I wonder how we could change, move the needle on that. Do you have any ideas like how women could feel less insecure about their place in STEM? Not sure if I have any ideas because it is um, pretty difficult whenever you do have to compete for some of the same things and since there aren't as so i don't like to say that there aren't as many opportunities but um sometimes whenever you do see 
uh, like these amazing women not get accepted to these grad schools or not get accepted to these research internships or um, have a professor turn them down for research. Um, it is a little disheartening and you see that, well, if they couldn't get accepted and I haven't done as much research as them, I can't get accepted either. Um, it does make you want to feel more competitive because you sometimes tend to think that it's because you're a woman or, um, or something along those lines. And so I'm not really sure if I have like a great way to, um, I guess to overcome that thought process or. I think you're doing it just by existing. <laughs> I mean, just the very <laughs> fact that you're doing what you're doing is so inspiring. I mean, you're just, you're just following your heart and STEM and you're, 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 you're just kind of doing it. You're just, even though it's hard, um, even though you have like challenges and struggles, you're so driven to your goal and it's, it's so inspiring. Um, what advice would you have to any young girls uh, wanting to follow in similar STEM footsteps? Um, oh, there's so much. <laughs> I think one of the main things is just to, like how I said about the voices, just to ignore those voices. Because you'll have those from your first day in college until your last day. And it's just the way you handle them. Um, so the first day I let, I guess my first, especially my first year of college, whenever I was in different math classes and um, lower level um, geology classes, there's always that voice, especially whenever you're in a class of all men, there's that voice to, it's like telling you you can't do it. Or if you answer a question wrong, it's like, oh, you're terrible. Just drop out. Um, so I think, especially for women, I think they just need to try and ignore those voices um, and remember why they want to do science and keep on asking themselves, is there anything else I would rather be doing than science? And if they can't find an answer, then or even if they can find an answer, but it's not a very strong one and it's not winning against the area of science that they've chosen, I think that um, they just need to keep moving forward, even if they're failing classes, even if they're failing exams, even if they're feeling um, kind of like they're the only one of their kind there or they don't have anyone, any type of support. Just to remember that this is what they've chosen to do and um, they should keep doing it. And then also, if they're ever feeling that, um, I guess, like, they don't know what they're doing, or, or if they're ever confused, to never be intimidated by their professors or by other classmates, and to go and ask questions and join study groups and put yourself out there. And even though you're probably extremely intimidated by the classes and by the professors who are generally incredibly smart, um, to start going into professors and asking questions and making yourself known, making sure not to be that woman in science that's sitting in the corner away from all of the other classmates. Yeah, so I guess just making sure that you are doing everything you can to keep yourself in school. So not just giving up if you haven't been seeking out help or uh, not just giving up if you still haven't found something else you would rather do. If you end up giving up and you just work a part-time job and you're miserable, then that was probably the wrong choice. And you should probably go back and continue doing the science that you love. Awesome. And so final question, um, what do you love most about your STEM career? I think even though the classes are hard, I still love the classes. I still love that it's a challenge. 
I love that I am having to spend so long on homework assignments, even though I don't love it then. Afterwards, I love it that I overcame those learning obstacles. And then I also love that I've gotten the opportunity to do the research um, that I will hopefully be doing later on in my life. Um, so I've gotten the amazing opportunity to study Mars. And so uh, I wouldn't have ever gotten that opportunity if I wouldn't have put myself out there and emailed my research mentor and gotten that research set up. And so I love that I get to do this thing that four or five years ago, I never would have thought I'd been able to do before. Never would have thought that I would be able to do my own research and start to try and publish my own work and um, so I love that I overcame all of those downtimes and all of those hard moments and um, got to where I am today. I think I definitely would have regretted it if I would not have kept going and would not have gotten to, I guess, gotten to the light at the end of the tunnel. Wow, that is so fantastic. Thank you so much for being on the show. Um, I just, I just, there's just so much I want to reflect on. Um, I feel like I need to go away um, and just sit in a room by myself and just reflect on a lot of the things you've said. Um, I found it incredibly inspiring talking to you um, and thank you for being so honest. Oh, thank you so much for talking with me about all of this. That's it from our STEM guest this week. Today's really been about looking at self-belief and I really feel like the lady that we spoke to today was living proof of tenacity and determination and above all, overcoming our own obstacles. I can't think of a better way to build self-esteem than being a badass woman in STEM and I really thank the guest for sharing with us um, her experiences of being proof of that. Thank you so much for listening to Silence this week. Catch you next week. Get down.